Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. Good to be back with you again as we continue on this sermon series that we're calling The Rhythm of Life. And so before I talk about that, let me first read the scripture that we'll be focusing on today. This comes from the Gospel of Matthew, and it's chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. I mentioned last week a job I had during a summer in college, so now I'm sharing another uh, scene from a time I worked at a place uh, while in college. This is again a summer. Instead of an explosives company, this one was working for a children's clothing store. If you remember Toys R Us back when they were around, Toys R Us also had a branch called Kids R Us. It was a clothing store for children. And so I worked there for one summer, and this was going to be a brand new store in the area. So they had a big grand opening. And they needed, I worked in the shoe department, but they also needed for this big grand opening, they needed people to dress up uh, as characters that were part of the whole Toys R Us family. So they had, uh, you may remember, Jeffrey the Giraffe and also uh, Babar the Elephant. So they had about three of these different costumes that you could wear as you walked around the store and uh, uh, not talk. That was one of the rules, but also uh, to just be around children. And what I thought, anyway, that you would receive the hugs of children and um, uh, and it would be great. And also they told you you only had to be on the floor for 20-minute intervals, so you could be out for 20 minutes and you could come back in and then take some time off, go back out. So I thought this is a pretty easy gig. So I volunteered to, uh, and it took turns being both Jeffrey the Giraffe and Babar the Elephant. Well, one thing I learned in dressing up as one of these characters is that uh, people, uh, certainly children, tend to not either know or are unable to conceive that this big giant giraffe coming at them is actually a human person inside the costume. I think adults even sometimes forget that there's a real person inside this costume too. We kind of get swept up in the imagination of it. Children, for the most part, were wonderful and so would hug my legs. And this is, of course, way back in the days before uh, cell phones. So I don't know if anybody actually took our picture, but... It was, it was good, but there were a few instances where the children would uh, not be quite so friendly, and so they would kick me or pull on some part of my costume or try to talk to me as if saying, are you real? So all of those kinds of scenarios, that part of the whole uh, experience was not quite as fun. 
And so it's interesting just to see how people would, again, either forget or not be able to comprehend that there's actually a human inside this costume. Well, you know, sometimes I think when people come to church, uh, they sometimes assume or have the unrealistic human or unrealistic expectation that there are actual humans who sit in the pews. That is, these are people who have faults, people who get sad, people who don't always do things the right way, people who get angry. I think occasionally people who scoff at church will quickly say, well, you know, you claim that you love God, you claim you're the church, and yet you do all of these awful things. And sometimes I want to say, exactly, why do you think we're in church in the first place? We are imperfect when we sit in these pews, when we are a part of a church. And that's kind of the tension of humanity. You may know the famous verse from Psalm 139 that tells us that we are, as humans, beautifully and wonderfully made. But then juxtapose that with other psalms that tell us just the exact opposite. I was reading Psalm 14 this week. Psalm 14 says this, The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise, who seek after God, they have all gone astray. They are all alike persevere. There is no one who does good. No, not one. So here clearly we have some psalmists who have different ideas about the nature of humanity. But in a sense, I'm glad they're both there because it's both true. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. And yet it seems like at times that people that we know, people that we read about, even ourselves, we do no good. No, not even one. Well, I bring all this up because this is a reminder of what we are getting into when we become part of the church, but it's also because why we need the church. So I mentioned earlier, this sermon series called The Rhythm of Life. Many of us, of course, are running through our own lives, feeling a bit overwhelmed, <clears throat> out of balance. We want peace. Uh, and it doesn't seem like everything that we want to do can be fit into 24 hours a day. So we try to do different things, productivity hacks, trying to find just the perfect morning routine, maybe getting a different day planner will solve everything. But we believe that we have chosen four what we call rhythms of life, four practices, four ways of living that if we integrate into our own life, sacred rhythms of what we call rest, connection, prayer, and service. We believe that God has offered these rhythms to us and that they sustain us and bring us joy no matter what happens. Let me repeat those rhythms one more time. We'll be talking about rest, connection, prayer, and service. Last week I preached about rest and Sabbath and I just, uh, I actually recorded it, but forgot to post it. So if you're listening to this podcast, go back to Podbean and the rest sermon just got put up about an hour ago. So this one, we are talking about connection and the importance of connection and the realization that we do need each other, the beautifully and wonderfully made and those who seem like we cannot do any good at all. So let's take a look at this passage from Matthew and what it has to tell us. I want to start not at the beginning of this passage that I read, but instead I want to start at verse 20. It says again, for where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. I've used this passage so often through the years, especially when I gather with a small group of people. If I'm ever with 
just two or three people, uh, of course, that verse will often come to mind. And it is a reminder, I think, of those gathered that God doesn't only show up if you have a thousand people in worship, but our God is one who also cares deeply about being present whenever two or three gather. That's the power of being of gathering, but it's also, as the passage, as this verse says, it's the power of being gathered in Christ's name. There's a time and a place for individual time with God. I'll talk about that a little bit when we're going to talk about prayer. But there's also a time and a place for connecting, just being with community. And I think this is probably uh, something that many people know and agree with, especially for those who will be in worship. But just gathering in general, I think we sometimes forget just how gathering in general, whether it's in a church or not, is important. I read a book a few years ago by an, a pastor and author named John Ortberg, and he was talking about the, the, the power and importance of community. And he he wrote about and cited a research project on relationships. It was called the Alameda County Study. It was headed by a Harvard social scientist, and he tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. And researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those who had strong relational connections. And get this, people who had bad health habits, that included smoking, poor eating, obesity, bad sleep habits, no exercise, excessive alcohol use, those people with bad health habits, but who had strong social ties, they lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. And Ortberg writes, and I've heard him say this phrase too, in other words, it is better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. There are lots of studies out there, I think, that probably, that that do point to the, the importance of community and gathering with one another. And whenever we talk about this in the church, I think sometimes we may go a little overboard in talking about the, the beauty and the necessity for community. I mean, it is important, but I also want to talk a bit about the fact that we are all humans. Let me draw us back to what I said earlier. There are real humans sitting in the pews with real situations and real life happening and real emotions and real shortcomings. And so I think that's when we go back and look at the beginning of this text from Matthew in verses 15 through 19. And also, as I mentioned earlier, that the verse, uh, verse 20 has been used, I've used a lot in prayer and reminding people that wherever two or three gathered in Christ's name, God is there in, in our midst. But also, verses 15 through 19 has been used by churches too when conflict, when conflict arises. Now, in the passage, it uses the word if. If another member of the church sins against you, if I were an editor, I would be tempted to go back and write when, not if, because it inevitably will happen because we're human. So this scripture can be a helpful guide to conflict. It's important to, uh, for us to, to think through what has been saying, said here by Jesus as ways to, to deal with conflict. So first, of course, that the advice is to talk to somebody one-on-one. Uh, and also to, to approach somebody if you feel like you have been harmed or hurt, to make sure that you are seeking them out and to talk about it one-on-one rather than uh, talking about that person behind their back or spreading uh, gossip around with others. 
the advice is to go talk to the person one-on-one. And then the next step, if it doesn't work, uh, engage others that you trust around you to help you through it. This draws a little bit on the Older Testament. And Deuteronomy 19 talks about when two or three confirm something as a witness, then it is true. But even the pattern continues here. So if you've tried to go and meet with someone one-on-one, if gathering some others to help you in this process, maybe as mediators, as ways to to hear anew, if that doesn't work, tell it to the whole church. I think there probably have been churches in history that have done this. I've not been a part of any. My hunch is churches today would be a little bit aghast if there was this um, conflict and it was brought in front of everybody for them to talk about it. But it's a helpful process for us to be able to think through and reflect on. But rather than focusing on this step-by-step process in this particular sermon, I want to, to go back and name and highlight something one more time. Church members sin against one another. And that, I think, is important for us to remember and to hopefully think about and pray for patience when we are in community. So the importance of community and connecting is there for us in our rhythms of life, but also we don't want to go in thinking that everything will always be just wonderful. Now, the struggle is and will be too for churches, especially when we talk about reaching out to others, when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about wanting others to join us in this community. So on the one hand, we want to talk about the beauty of our community, that we are beautifully and wonderfully made. This community is beautifully and wonderfully made. But on the other hand, we also want to not give people the wrong opinion that we have everything worked out. The challenge for churches in gathering is that we want to just stay with our own people. And it it can be hard whenever we are reaching out and connecting with new people. One of the songs that we'll be singing on Sunday is called Draw the Circle Wide. And it is a a song about how we are called to uh, enlarge in our own social circles so that others can know us, so that others can know love, so that others can especially know the uh, love of God. And the song was written a few years ago, and it reminds us saying that no one stands alone, we'll stand side by side, draw the circle, draw the circle wide. And the song continues saying, let this be our song. No one stands alone, standing side by side. Draw the circle, draw the circle wide. It has pretty simple lyrics, but powerful meanings in there. So we know the power of community. We know that community can be um, a struggle, can be imperfect. And yet I think it's also our duty to draw that circle wider so that others can be part of this uh, community that part of this connection that we think is so important to our own faith life. A couple, or last week I was, um, the church that I'm at on Sundays in River Forest has one of those church signs out front. And uh, I've never been part of a church that has had a sign. And so uh, various people pitch in to put different letters on the sign. And I was a little worried at first about, I, I don't know what I will put on there. But this past week, I thought of a couple different interesting ones that would connect with January. And one of the sides of the sign I had written down, I wanted to to put up there, May 2020, uh, bring 
about sacred surprises for you or something like that. I'm, I'm going by memory here. But anyway, I knew sacred surprises were two of the words that I was going to put on that sign. So I was up there, and as I was putting the letters up, uh, a member of the church came by, saw me, stopped, and came over. And so I was having a nice conversation with him, and he encouraged me to just make sure we've got the spelling right. And I was looking at it, and I was having a nice conversation uh, with, with him. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a, a guy was walking by as we were putting the letters on the sign. And he called out and said, oh, I thought you were going to say something about having the 2020 vision of Christ in this new year. And that would have been a, a good thing to put up there. To be honest, though, I was a little slightly annoyed uh, because for a couple of reasons. One, I was having a nice conversation with this church member, somebody that I knew. And also, I kind of liked what I was putting up there in the first place. So this young man was was certainly... Uh, trying to be nice and call out and in a sense, maybe trying to encourage us. But my first reaction was, thank you. Internally, I'm saying thank you, but just keep going your own merry way. So I put the rest of the sign up and I'm looking at it, took a step back and kind of was admiring what I had come up with. And then again, this young man called out from across the street. And when he first called out, I thought, man, what is your deal? But he said, he called out, he said, you're missing an R. And I didn't know what he meant by that. So I turned around and I said, what? He said, you're missing an R in surprises. You only have one R in surprises. Now, as somebody who has a background in journalism and as a writer, I try to take some pride in the fact that I'm careful in what I write and how I spell. And so my initial thought was, no, he's wrong. And so I looked over to the sign and sure enough, it said second surprises. He was right. And I turned and said, thank you. And then went to put on the other R. This is a silly kind of example, but it just talks about the challenge it can be to draw our circle wider. Here is somebody who was wanting to do something good, both by giving me a suggestion and by correcting my spelling. And my initial reaction was slight annoyance because I didn't want to really connect with him. And here was an opportunity for me to engage him. I had no idea. Maybe he didn't have a church home. And here he is walking. I mean, God could not have put someone, or God could not have made it more plain for me to have a conversation with a stranger, somebody who actually is expressing some interest in this sign. And I totally ignored him because I liked my circle. And I didn't like what was happening within me, the annoyance of having this conversation with him. It speaks to the challenge of connecting. And yet, I can list for you countless examples of the power of community. And when others have been there for me and lifted me up when I am down. It's a quote by the author, Brian McLaren, who says, spiritual friendship isn't just about you. You are part of something bigger, something Paul called the body of Christ. In the context of imperfect but vibrant Christian community, the message of Christ will come alive in a way that a disembodied booklet or lecture never could convey. Spiritual reading, listening to this podcast, other things are wonderful for your faith life. But community can take us to a different level. 
So if you're listening to this, I don't know if you're part of a church. I hope that you are. And if you're not, that you'd consider thinking about reaching out and finding community in that way. To know the power of gathering in Christ's name, even if two or three are there. But also going and knowing that it will be imperfect. I may be offended. There might be conflict. And that's part of the beauty of it too. Because those are the moments I think God really shows up. And we really are aware of how much we need God's presence in our life. So friends, I hope and pray that you will find at least one or two others so that you can gather in Christ's name and so that you can get to know the sense of who you are as a real human behind all the costumes and the masks, the beauty, the conflict, the imperfections that make us who we are. Amen. Well, friends, thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on my website, christiancrew.com, coon.com, and you can sign up for my uh, twice a month email that goes out. One will be coming out in a few days, the next one. And uh, if you just have questions or if you want some help finding a church, I'm happy to do that. Certainly in Chicago, if you're Chicago area, we'd love for you to visit Urban Village. But if you're not in Chicago, I can do my best to try to connect you uh, with somebody or a community in your own area. And so, friends, until the next time we're together, may the peace of Christ be with you.